You're listening to The Private Citizen, your weekly data privacy podcast. This is episode 11 for Wednesday, the 1st of April to 2020 of The Grid. How do you do? My name is Fab and I'm coming to you from my father's study in the house I grew up in, in Duisburg-Wehofen, in Germany, I'm uh, on the road and I'm staying a few days with my parents. So if this sounds differently, that is because I am operating on a more minimal uh, setup. I still have my usual microphone and everything, but uh, I'm using another uh, audio interface and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm recording differently on this laptop and just, you know, there's obviously a different acoustic in the room, so... Uh, that's why I sound a bit different. But, as usual, it's Wednesday and I have an episode uh, for you. I, I feel like we need to go back to to the normal schedule, to the normal Wednesday schedule. And uh, with that also, I have beer, uh, lovely Alt, Boltens Uralt, uh, the oldest Altbier brewery in the world, apparently from the Niederrhein. Nice. Um, yeah, so it's Wednesday. It is obviously 1st of April. Um, there will be no April Fool's jokes on this. There will be probably not many jokes because I don't feel like joking at the moment. And also this whole April Fool's thing isn't really... I don't know. I've never, never been a massive fan of it. Obviously, I had to write one or two April Fool's jokes in my time. Um when I was working for different publications, but, uh, you know, I, I, I prefer not to do it these days. And I think this year it is also, is anybody doing it? I think in this situation currently during Corona panic, everybody's just, just panicking. <laughs> Speaking of Corona panic, what are we doing today? So I want to give you a quick update um, on what's been going on in Germany and what I've read uh, from the US and, and other countries. And then I want to run an idea by you that I've had thinking about this. I've been thinking about, um, obviously coronavirus and the privacy implications, uh, a lot recently. And so I had this idea of, um, something I call off the grid, which I guess isn't you, but, uh, something I want to develop with you and I need your feedback on. And we'll we'll be doing that later, and then obviously feedback. I'll you know I'll get go into some feedback about the show. Speaking of feedback, uh, please, as I always say, uh, you are not only listeners, you are producers. You are a massively important part of this show. I am doing this on my own. I'm sitting here at my father's old uh, oak desk and doing this uh, into the ether. And I need your feedback. So go to privatecitizen.press. Uh, there is ways there are ways we ha we have ways of making you talk um i have ways of you uh being able to contact me and it's all on there and as usual uh show notes with links to everything i talk about and uh, i'm i'm very particular about that kind of thing yes and yeah that's that's the episode for this week obviously uh coronavirus i'm gonna try and bring you a different topic next week again um, which I think we need to mix it up. Uh, that is the plan. Plans may change, especially at the moment. You can't really plan. And, you know, we might ha have massively draconian laws come down 
next week uh, I am I am uh, expecting the worst any day <laughs> so uh, that might get changed and I might you know sometimes I'm, I might have to push out an episode in between if, if it's really important or I just might, might change the topic of next Wednesday's show we'll see uh, I'm just saying I can't promise anything at the moment uh, everything is in flux yeah and um, with that I think I think we can uh, we can we can go into the the main topic with that out of the way. So um, what's been going on? I had talked about obviously last show a bit of a special show. I had that discussion with Alex, um, and then before that we had a right before that we had a show on a different topic. I need to wow, I've been doing a lot of episodes recently. Uh, yes, we had uh, I talked about the opt out illusion in episode nine. Um, but before that, obviously, in the last uh, coronavirus um, episode, I talked about um, Jens Spahn, the German uh, Minister of Health, which I like to call uh, a cloning accident, because if you Google him, uh, and there's obviously uh, his name is in the show notes, but it's spelled uh, Julio Echo November Sierra, that's Jens, Julio, Julia Sorry, Juliet Echo November Sierra and then Spahn Sierra Papa Alpha Hotel November. And if you Google that guy, you will see what I'm what I mean. He uh for a health minister I don't know, something's something's not right with his genes, I feel. <laughs> Anyways, uh you know, I wouldn't say that if he was a great guy, right? I don't care what he looks like if you know if he did good things but he's also dumb and has dumb ideas and i think it all it's all down to defective genes <laughs> at least i can blame the drinking but uh, yeah i don't know anyway he's he had this idea i, I talked about this uh, uh, tracking everybody you know like they do in asia and um some cooler heads in the government prevailed and said jens uh you moron you can't do this we have a constitution and this is an emergency, but there are some things we shouldn't change, even in an emergency. Because remember the 30s? Remember this Austrian guy called Hitler? He was also invoking emergencies all the time, and, and bad stuff happened. Um, but Jens has not gotten rid of this idea. Jens still wants to track everybody, so there's a big debate in Germany, what this right on? There's an article by Deutsche Welle, which I linked. Uh, Deutsche Welle, you have to be a little bit careful. Uh, mind the source, I would say. Deutsche Welle is a state-run thing, so their their mandate is to, I guess, spread German culture in the world. I don't know. They're a bit. It's a bit like Radio Free uh, Europe. It's it's not that obviously tied to an intelligence service. But uh, it is it is propaganda. It's, it's, I wouldn't say it's as bad as Russia today, but it is essentially the same thing. Um, you know, the output isn't the same, but it is a state-run, a state-financed uh, news organization. Although, you know, sometimes they're good stuff, and often they have... So there's the local, and then there's basically Deutsche Welle is the only guys you can get decent stories about Germany in English. You know, sometimes Der Spiegel or Die Zeit translates some some of their stuff and it's really, if it's really important, but like local stories, that's that's actually what Deutsche Welle is good for. And they do a reasonable job of um, of uh, recapping this this debate now. 
I would say, okay, it's Jens Spahn, he's an idiot. He just keeps going on about this. Uh, and then, of, obviously, um, you know, we have data protection officers, and there's a federal data protection officer, um, Johannes Kelber, which I actually really liked the guy. Uh, when I was in Bonn, he was my um, member of parliament. I actually voted for him a couple of times. Um, seems to be a competent guy. And he, he's trying to keep Jens on his toes. Now, that's not what's worrying me. What is worrying me is... So I think the story on Heise here, um, when asked uh, in a recent YouGov st uh, study, uh, that, so this was like a telephone thing, they asked, okay, 2,042 Germans, not a massive amount, but N equals 2,000, you know, if it's done well, um, it is relatively representative. Um, and they asked, you know, how would you be okay with like mandatory tracking? Like if we tracked people who have coronavirus or are suspected of having coronavirus, and then if that will track you, and if you come in contact with one of these people, we'll tell you. Basically what they're doing in, in uh, South Korea, I'm guessing, and you know Singapore and China, stuff like that, countries like that. And 50% said, yes, I would totally be uh, okay with this. And this is, this is worrying me. This is obviously a major turning point uh, in the German public's approach to topics like this. Uh, even a year, two years ago, there would have been a huge, huge outcry about this. Germany, obviously, as a country that is extremely sensitive with um, data protection, um, mostly because of our history. Um, so, you know, the, we, are, we are intimately aware what can happen if you have a government that is not on the level, uh, a government that is some people would say evil. I find that is a, a very objective uh, thing, although with the Nazis, I mean, it's probably the, 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 the one way you can actually say they were evil. But anyway, if you have a government like that who does shady shit um, and they track you and they collect information of you, on you, then that is a huge problem. And not only did Germany have... I mean, I talked to Alexander about this. I asked him a little bit about this uh, in our... Um, debate in the last episode because he's from east germany and you know we had the same the pro similar problems with the east german state which was uh, also a dictatorship it was a one-party system and very famous for their internal intelligence service uh the stasi you know and i talked about this ulrich mühe movie das, Le das leben der anderen uh, li the life of the others where it's basically about one of these stasi officers just listening in and trying to find dissidents. And so we know we know what happens uh, when we have tracking and when we, when we have data about people and when we try to figure out what religion people are and then we put them in certain groups and then we corral them together and stuff like this. And, um, you know, this is the same thing. It's groups. It's like somebody has a virus, somebody doesn't have the virus, you know. Uh, what, what do we do? do? What do we do with the people who have the virus? Stuff like that. And it, it is extremely worrying, worrying to me that this turning point seems to be there in, in German, in the mentality of the German public. I think it's completely driven by the media who has, as I said before, I think over exaggerated this topic and uh, keeps reporting on it very exaggerated. I mean, they're, they're completely transfixed by the people dying. Um, there is no reporting on actual data, who gets this disease, who doesn't get it, who's actually dying, why are they dying, what are they dying from. Um, 
I mean, it's hard to report that because we don't have that much data, but still, that's your job as a journalist, you know, to tackle the hard topics. Um, you know, when I was working, I mean, now I'm a freelancer, I can pick my own stories and I, I, I tend to, you know, I don't pick my stories if they're easy or they're hard. I pick my stories if I find them personally interesting, um, which are often the hard stories. But, you know, when I was working at Heiser, for example, I wasn't paid to cover the easy stories. You know, I was paid to cover the story. That's what, that's how I always thought, thought it. Um, you know, if there was a information security story, um, I would try to become, you know, I jumped into this topic. I, I was doing Linux stuff originally and I taught myself and was taught by good people, uh, good editors who taught me how to research and, you know, taught me IT security basics, you know, infosec basics. And I, always took pride in learning that and tackling hard topics. And I always thought I'm being paid, being trained by you and then paid to to cover stories uh, to with technical know-how that other people don't have. That that's why that's why I'm pr I'm pride, you know, I'm prideful about my job. That that's why I'm I'm proud to do the things I do because I I want to write a story. I want to write the best story that I can. And Mike always always be, you know, be that one guy in German who actually very quickly and very accurately, for example, uh, explains Heartbleed, right? Who explains it in depth and doesn't make any mistakes or makes as few as, as, as little mistakes as he can as somebody who's not, you know, a, an InfoSec pro. Because at the end of the day, a journalist is never a specialist, very seldomly a specialist in the topic because you can only be a specialist in like one topic and you need to cover more. But you can try and you can try to be good. And I don't see that. Um, that was the thing I was also saying to Alex, you know, um, that's why I'm so hard on the media. I don't, I don't see that. I see three people covering the easy stories, you know, that so many people died and oh my God, and the fear, and they're not going, let's, let's find out about this data. Let's, let's go into that. Um, and I think this is why this, this shift in, in the public's opinion has happened. Um, now we have the next stage is they want to force people to wear masks. Um, there's already one city in Germany, Jena, who has passed such a decree, which will come into effect, I guess, on the weekend, which is basically if you go out, if you go to a supermarket, you have to wear a face mask. Um, which, again, if you do research, I mean, it doesn't, it, it definitely doesn't help you uh, if you're healthy. It doesn't protect you from getting the virus because you will most likely get it by um, touching something, get it on your hands, and then you know touch your face or whatever. That's that's how you get. You know you touch something and you 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 wash your hands all the time, but you can can't always, and that's how you get it. Um, also, you can of course get it when somebody like basically spits in your face. I mean, they're very small droplets. Uh, it's, uh, it's pretty much sure that this new uh, novel coronavirus is transmitted by aerosols. Um, so, so what the mask does is, if you have it, um, you there's a baseline protection of other people. Um, but I find it extremely invasive uh, when the state tells me what to wear. So they're basically saying, "I you you need to assume that you're infected." And you need to act like that. And to protect everybody else, you need to wear a mask. 
which in Germany is like if you don't know if you don't live in Germany, you don't know how perverted this is because in Germany we have very strict laws which the left always complains about. Uh, we have a so-called Vermummungsverbot, very German words, almost as good as Datensparsamkeit. Vermummungsverbot, which means you're not allowed to cover up your face when you're in public. Um, so if you're at the demonstration, you're not allowed to cover your face because the police must be able to take pictures of you. Um, they're not allowed to take, you know, uh, just the pictures of a crowd, although they, they're starting to do that now, but it's kind of debated, you know, if, if they, if, if the constitution allows that. But anyway, I have this very strict thing where the left and all the people I follow on Twitter, I follow many people who have different opinions of me and they're like all these, um, oh, we are protesting the AFD and the Nazis and, you know, oh, the, the police is beating us and we need to wear masks and it's not allowed, blah, 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 blah. Um, and those are the same people now like wearing masks voluntarily. Because oh, I need to be good. I need to protect everybody. And the the um, it's just medically very doubtful if that actually helps you. Um, if that actually helps people. I mean, in in hospitals, yes. If you're a doctor and you need to um, examine somebody, then yes. But like, if you live with somebody together for you know, if you if you're in contact with them for a longer time, you're probably infecting them in other ways. Uh, in the supermarket, it's just like we don't know if it works. I feel like currently we're in, we're. I mean, the WHO doesn't recommend it. The German, the Robert Koch Institute, you know, our CDC basically didn't recommend it until they were pressured by the public and everybody kept kept shouting, and they basically said, "I guess you can do it. It might be helpful." Like, but basically in the same sentence, they're saying like, "We have all the data. We have uh, does not." lead us to believe that it, it helps. You know, it helps stop the spread, you know, stop some of the spread or whatever. And, ah, God, it's just... It's just so invasive and so... I would feel better if we had actually... If, if all this was based on science and actual hard data and the research that has been done into virus propagation in the last 30 years uh, but it is not none of this none of the flatten the curve none of these mass stuff none of that came up before like november of 2019 it is not there there are no publications like oh if we have an outbreak or we had an outbreak like this helped right uh i mean i know a lot of people i know a lot of people in a lot of hospitals now uh not only one um and you know one of the biggest hospitals in germany actually until very recently was uh, forbidding doctors from wearing masks if they were not in a surgical situation or examining patients so they were saying you you sh you should not wear a mask when you walk down the corridor because it doesn't help anybody and uh it we have to assume you're not effect infected anyway because otherwise you're probably infecting people anyway you're you're a doctor um and it just scares people it like it makes people uncomfortable and that is not a good thing in a hospital that's the same thing by the way there's a rule it's really funny um <laughs> so uh in 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 in, uh, in the one of the hospitals like where, where my wife works 
um, they're not allowed to run um, in the emergency uh, room. Like, whatever happens. I mean, there, there might be a guy with, like, five bullet wounds to his chest, and there's a nurse, and she has, like, the or he has the blood packs, and the, they're not only allowed to walk fast to the room, they're not allowed to run. Because they were like, if you run... If people run in an emergency room, it looks bad. People get scared. We don't want that. Um, yeah, so I don't... I don't know. I think it's all... If you want to wear a mask, you know, wear a mask. I don't think it's going to help much. But, you know, if you want... I'm for personal freedom, right? Um, I just don't want the state telling me to wear a mask. If they go where I live, if they go, you have to wear a mask, I'm going to wear my motorcycle outfit. I'm just going to leave the helmet closed the whole time. And then they're like, why are you wearing a helmet? I'm like, it's more effective than a mask. <laughs> uh, I would wear a hazmat suit if I could. Actually, if I had a hazmat suit, I would wear that now just to piss people off. <laughs> Man, I should have bought a hazmat. I always wanted to have a hazmat suit. Damn it. Um, like a gas mask, an old, uh, you know, uh, East German NVR, uh, uh, East German people's people's army, like gas ma gas mask, like one of those really old school eighties ones. That would that would be ace too. And then people look at me. I'm like, what? I'm protecting you. <laughs> um, yeah. So in the U.S. now, so that's a German situation. In the U.S., um, people are, you know, this is the Verge. Uh, here I have a link in the show notes arguing basically that um, personal personal privacy must take a backseat to what they call, quote, the common good. Um, so they're basically saying, you know, people should be tracked if it helps spread uh, stop the spread or slow down and stop the spread of the virus. Now, um, I have two problems with this. The first is a general problem we have, and I see this all the time right now in discussions, we have this all-or-nothing debate. You know, people are like, we must track everybody. And you're like, no, we must stop the virus. We must do everything. Like, no, some things we do not need to do. And there is, there is a we can do a lot uh, to help stop the spread or slow it down. But we don't have to do everything. And this all-or-nothing argument is just an argument that throughout history all the bad people have used like all the totalitarian all the dictators you know if you, if you look at Mussolini Stalin Hitler in some cases you know it starts with Lenin in, in Russia actually um, you know they're all set up their the measures they want to do because they're like this is happening and now we have to go all in on this right we have to it it always needs to be like either you do this or we're all doomed and it's like always all out because that's the point they want to get to obviously and they're just setting up the straw man argument where you're like either like if we don't do this we're doomed it's not like no let's not do that let's do 50% of that that might be reasonable no 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 we have to do everything um, and then the other one is just um, they're saying here you know it must take backseat to the common good or in Germany I would say health must take precedence to privacy the problem is we have no indication that this actually helps. Like, we simply do not know at this stage if the public at large is at risk. Over the overwhelming amount of data tells us that a certain risk group in the population is at risk, a group that is always at risk, 
um, that will be at risk with any infectious disease. And we're just treating this one disease differently. Basically because it's killing more people, because it's spreading more. But that doesn't change the fact that if 99.8% of the population, let's say, are safe, then you can't say we must track everybody for the common good. Because, I mean, 99.8% of the people is the common good. That is the majority. You know, you can't tell me my privacy must take backseat to health, you know, my, in Germany, in Europe. In America, it's like the, that's the, um, you know, the, the utilitarian perspective. That's typically US, you know, the, the good of the many must outweigh the good of the few or the one, you know, Spock thing that, uh, which I pointed out in the previous episode is actually faulty logic, but still, anyway, um, that, that utilitarian view is very US. Uh, in, in Europe, especially in Germany, it's more like, um, on the level of the individual. This is why here they say your privacy must come second to your health or like the health of the people around you. But we don't know they're at risk. You know, if I'm healthy, if I'm young, I might have zero risk of dying from this. Literally zero. Uh, so, so you want to take my privacy away on the off chance that maybe it will flatten the curve. And then the, the, the problem is all this, as I said before, all of this is not based on science. Flatten the curve, as far as I can tell, is based on a manager from Silicon Valley writing a medium post. All those graphs, the graphs that show on, on, on German, uh, public television are based on some guy making them up it and they're, they're they're like oh it's the science and of course the robert koch institute they they keep perpetuating this and i guess the cdc now as well it's like no guys as your people who've been researching this for 25 years don't go uh just piss in the wind and hope it'll help we don't know it might help that's what i said to alex right i'm okay with some measures because it might actually help. But my point is, we don't fucking know. And then people are like, oh, we can't afford to know. We need to do this anyway. Well, yeah, okay, if you're that of, of that opinion, you can be of that opinion. But don't tell me you're pro-science if you're like that. Uh, you know what helps? Alt. <laughs> I hope you have something to drink. Sorry, if this is, I should probably have forewarned people that this might be a bit of a ranty episode. A bit of a ranty mood today. I'm pissed off. As Moss would say, I need my slightly bigger glasses. The ranting glasses. Yeah, so basically, this is... Most of this stuff is pissing in the wind and hoping for a good outcome. And that's not to say the good outcome might come, but I'm just... Let's say I have problems with how we're setting this up. We're declaring an emergency on the off chance that it is an emergency and then we're implementing measures on the off chance that they will work. This is not how I want a modern uh, democracy and a countries that are just like, oh, we're all about, you know, we, we're scientific to work. That's not that's not how it should work. Especially if you look at the actual science, it's just a study, um, I also linked in a CNN story that came out today, so in Iceland, uh, Iceland, a very small country, um, where they have often different approaches to things, um, you know, like privacy and stuff. They're now basically, they're a small country. They're pretty high tech. Um, they're, they're, they're now trying to test as much, as many of the population as they can. And, um, they figured out currently in this, in this testing they've been doing only 1% of their population is infected at all. Um, but 
the data they have of those people suggests that about 50% of all people that were tested positive for coronavirus or for this uh, SARS-NCOV-2 um, don't have any symptoms at all or like extremely mild symptoms. They don't know. They don't notice they have it. Um, of course, this explains... I find this is very credible because the one thing we know... we it's obvious about this virus is it's more infectious than all the other coronaviruses we've seen and the flu. So there must be something. I mean, the the virus is not a magic homing beacon that goes into your nose. It is likely that this is because a lot of, of us have it and we don't have any symptoms. And so we keep infecting people like we, we might have it and we'll be, you know, have minor symptoms that we push off to something else but, or have no symptoms at all. We're still, you know the i think the it's it's been pretty clear now that the general uh, incubation period also the um dormant period for this is 5 to 6 days but it can be up to 14 and there's also different strains now so that makes it even more complicated but like lots of people apparently have it and then infecting other people and of course they don't have anything and then you know people in the risk group get infected and they might die of course um, no, but this explains why the virus is spreading. This, but it, it also means that this thing is far less deadly than we thought. Because if you think, if you, if you go with the high numbers from the WHO, if you say like 3.7% or whatever, it was, let's say it's 4%. Let's say the death rate is 4%. If you don't take into account that, you know, we, we probably only know of half those people because from the mass data we have so far, we've only tested people that had symptoms. If we assume that there's another, that the basically the rate of infections is double double from what we see, you know, then then that that death rate is is much lower. And nobody talks about that. Like even you know that's not that's not the conclusion they pull from this article. Everybody's like, oh, that means it's that means people are running around infecting people and they don't know, and even more people are dying, and we all have to panic. Instead of somebody just pointing out, but that also means that it's far less dangerous than we thought because lots of people don't even realize they have it. <laughs> nah, can't say that. Um, yeah, instead of actually doing that and, and analyzing the data, um, we have stuff like, you know, in the US where, uh, again, oh no, not again, this is not the version, the New York Times is like shaming people. They're basically engaging in victim blaming. They're shaming people who might be infected, but don't realize, and they're not staying at home and they're, they're infecting other people with, let me just read this out. Just, just listen how they make the sound. So this is about a, uh, a guy in Wuhan, where they're called Patient Z, I guess it's from some study or something. Already, this sounds like a, a zombie movie. Already by day seven, though, the virus had bloomed in his nose and throat just as copiously as in those who did become ill. Patient Z might have felt fine, but he was infected all the same. Dun dun dun! And it's so bad, and the people don't know they have it, so everybody must wear masks now. And at the at the at the smallest suspicion, we need to look at lock everybody up and lock them in their house or whatever. And because we can't lock them in the house, we need to develop apps. And once again, totalitarian China leading the way. First in line of fire, first into hostile land. Um, let me just read out from this story. This is from the Guardian. 
As millions of people in China emerge from weeks of lockdown, their freedom of movement is largely dependent on phone apps. The health code, quote, service, run on the ubiquitous platforms Alipay and WeChat and developed for the Chinese government, give users color-coded designations based on their health status and travel history and a QR code that can be scanned by authorities. The apps are specific to each city or province, but generally people given a green code are allowed to travel relatively freely. A yellow code indicates that the holder should be in home isolation and a red code says the user is a confirmed COVID-19 patient and should be in quarantine. The apps have become an integral part of Chinese authorities' management of people and their movements in and out of affected areas. When lockdown restrictions in Hubei province were lifted last week, the government allowed residents with green code to travel within and out of the province with a green code. Some restaurants, shops, hotels, and other establishments ask for patrons to show their codes before entering. In Wuhan, only those with a green health code are allowed to take public transport. This sounds like a fucking cyberpunk dystopian novel from the 80s. Jesus Christ. And people are applauding them for this. I mean, what is next? Why don't they just chip people? Like, why don't you just have like a changing tattoo on their forehead? I mean, that's the next step. This is, this is some totalitarian police state bullshit. This is like from, from, Goebbels' wet dream. I mean, Jesus Christ. And all of that, they, they instituted this absolutely, completely insane police crackdown. Yes, for a disease that killed tens of thousands of people. Yeah, but in a population of a billion or whatever. Like, ah, we can't, we cannot let it let that like we can't we we have to shout these people who are applauding them for that down we have to like spit in span's face whenever he like suggests it because that's where it's going at first it's oh yeah it's, it's just going to be voluntary yeah sure at first it's voluntary and then they tighten the news i mean and in the u.s it's 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 bad like they're catching up fast from another story um This one from Foreign Policy. Let me quote. Google, via its Alphabet sister company, Verily, has launched a coronavirus screening tool. The website, which was developed in collaborations with the state of California, was rolled out on March 16 and currently offers coronavirus testing services in four counties. At first glance, it's simple. The site... Uh, runs users through a series of screening questions via the company's Project Baseline Health Data Collection Platform. Uh, what, what, whatever that is. I never heard about that, but uh, yeah. Um, uh, if the system deems them eligible, they are allowed to make an appointment for a much-coveted coronavirus test. There's just one catch. Users must have a Google account to use the screening tool. If you're sitting at home wondering if your cough is seasonal allergies or COVID-19, you probably think this sounds like a good deal. And it is a deal, because Google didn't launch its screening tool out of altruism. In doing so, at least in part, 
Uh, it's doing so, at least in part, because it wants access to your health data as part of the company's intense push into the healthcare business. Thanks to the coronavirus pandemic, thanks, the company has a new way to get your information. With the blessing of both federal and state governments, Verily has set up a system where people must choose between sharing their health data with the company and, practically speaking, not getting a coronavirus test. That's no choice at all, given the stakes of not complying. I mean, it's... I can't even... Where do I start how insane this is? I mean, obviously, this is... You know, you can Google your health data. Why is the government doing this with Google? All of that. But then, like, this article is... Just, are these journalists? They can't fucking think straight. Okay. This is no choice at all, given the stakes of not complying. What are the stakes of not complying? You don't get a coronavirus test, right? What does that change? What does that change for you? Like your personal health? Just leave other people out of this for a second. Your health. Nothing. Because, okay, you have a cough, you have symptoms, you get a coronavirus test. They figure out, yes, you have... uh this novel coronavirus. What happens? Nothing at all. There's nothing you can do. It's a virus, right? Um, there are very limited uh, antiviral drugs that you can take. You have to take them really early, pretty much before onset of symptoms. Like, you know, when they developed something like this for Ebola, you basically need to take it once, you know, as soon as you think you're infected. Um, they're, they're experimental. They have very, very serious side effects in many cases. Um, so you're not getting those, right? And there is no, like, read the WHO recommendations. If you get this, they're like, isolate at home, lie in your bed, and just sit there. You know, you get fever, you get cough, and then if you have trouble breathing, right, call the emergency services, tell them you have it, and they'll get you in, into a hospital. How does that change if I got a got a test beforehand? The change is absolutely nothing. There's no there, there, there's no thing where you're like you go to a hospital. I've just tested positive. They're not going to put you in your ICU bed. They're going to tell you to go home, isolate, and if you have problems, call the call the emergency services. They'll pick you up and then get you to hospital. So the test doesn't. People don't understand this because the media is too dumb to report this properly. The test doesn't change absolutely nothing. Now what it does is yes, you know, if you have people you live with and they're in the risk group, then, okay, you get a test that says you're not, you don't have it, you don't have to worry, right? You don't have to isolate yourself from them, theoretically, because, I mean, that is also like, okay, this tells you you didn't have it when they tested you, right? That doesn't, you you could have got infected on the way home, on the subway, right? On the way home from the testing center, right? It just tells you you didn't get, in, you weren't infected at that point in time. And also, like, if you got it, just, in the waiting room for the test center from the next one, the person next to you, it's probably not spread fast enough that they, they can pick it up with a, you know, with a swab and a PCR right then. So they might actually test you negative and you just got it because you went there to get a test. I mean, there's no reason to get a test. If you think you have it, stay, quarantine yourself, you know, stay out of people's face for like, two weeks okay yes but you don't need a fucking test and even if you get a test like it's it's hilarious so i've told i've heard stories from you know obviously there is um in the hospital where my wife works well she actually 
right now she works in two hospitals at the same time, but that's a different story. Um, the one in Hamburg where she works, um, she, um, there are, you know, they're, they're caring for a lot of uh, COVID patients because it's like the excellence center and it's like the only university hospital. And, you know, they're, they're set up much better than normal hospitals to deal with this. So they have lots of, they get lots of the patients there. Now there are several doctors in the hospital who are infected. Of course, they're not running around in the hospital. They're isolating at home. You think, you know why they're, why they're infected? Because they went on skiing holiday. <laughs> They didn't get it in the hospital. They get it on the skiing holiday. Like pretty much everybody in Germany either got it on skiing holiday or in carnival in Cologne, I guess. Um, and yeah, so so and I know from one person who was tested positive, and he called the you know. And then you get like this talk with the health government office, you know, Spahn's uh, great health office. Um, And they, um, so they told him to isolate. And he's like, yeah, but the problem is I'm at home, right? In Hamburg, it's relatively small. Everybody has small flats. Like, you know, it's like in London, right? Living is placed at a premium. And um, not quite as bad as London. But, you know, he was like, yeah, but, but my children are home. My wife is home, right? She's working from home office. I'm not gonna like isolate myself. Do they have to stay, be in quarantine now? And the, the government office is like, no, only you. And you're like, They're living in one room, like in one place. It, it is, if this thing spreads, like everybody says, says, it is absolutely positive that his wife and his children are infected as well, right? It's like, it's common, like, you can't even, you know, the WHO says, oh yeah, you need to go into a sick room and quarantine yourself and then disinfect everything all the time. They're like, Jesus Christ, if this stuff is as infective, there's no way you can live with somebody on the, in the same flat and not get it if they have it. So, I don't know. Like, what? So, no, I guess all these Americans are like, oh, I need a test, otherwise I'm dying. And then give Google all their health data. It's like, Google's like, okay, right, fine. For the price of one, low price of one PCR, we just get your health data. Or now you're in for life or whatever, probably. <sighs> And then, okay, that's this whole other thing, which I've, I've been going on for way long, so I'm not going to go into this but um, deeply. But I have a link. There's like this way how it changes science now. And there's this very positive article in the New York Times where, oh, nobody's caring about scientific credit and everybody's um, cooperating right now. And it's all great. It's like utter bullshit. Yeah, this is this is definitely changing the way we do science. Like if you see the... Um, the pace with which papers are published, they're like, I read like peer-reviewed papers um, in nature and in science from like people in China that wrote like, okay, it's preliminary, but they wrote like papers, peer-reviewed papers on the on the outbreak and on stuff and the pace with which these came out. I know people who went through the nature and the science peer-review process. It is hard. It takes a long time. And I mean, you read these and you can, you can just read the, read the paper and then have their review guidelines up on, on the, you know, on the other screen. And you can just pick out stuff that is against review guidelines where it's like, okay, this is preliminary. We only have this data and they don't have a negative control. You're like, your review guidelines say at this point you need to, like, ah, oh God. And then the whole thing about, uh, not doing it for credit and stuff is bullshit. Obviously, everybody's doing I, I know lots of people in biology and in, in medical science. They all do coronavirus projects now. Like, I know somebody who works in the US in on, uh, she, she researches, um, 
hemorrhagic fevers, so Ebola, and they switched to coronavirus. Just because, you know, that's where all the money is. I mean, look at that bill that that um, uh, Trump signed. Look at the German uh, help. There's like there's there's billions in there for like okay in Germany not but in Trump's thing it's like it's hundreds of millions of dollars for research that you get if you know go yeah we do coronavirus research okay here's forty thousand dollars way whoo um, it's not like I mean they're not putting that in their own pocket but I mean they need to finance their work right and that's how it goes and of course they're doing it for credit if you know the guy who comes up with the vaccine or comes up with something really helpful and you're like a hero. Of course you're going to do that. You're going to be great in your field. And I mean, the the friend who's like, who's now doing, I mean, it must be so relaxing to her, like going from Ebola, like BSL-4, right? Where you have like these suits that have pressure, pressured inside, you know, with the hoses and stuff. And if you prick yourself, you're basically dead. Like if you prick yourself, you have like a 50-50 chance of surviving. And she's now probably working in a BSL-3 lab on coronavirus. Like it was just a mouth guard. And she's like, <laughs> Woo! let's drink some of this shit. <laughs> this is really relaxing. Uh, and, uh, and one last point that I really uh, got, I'm kind of a little bit, I have a bit of schadenfreude for this. Um, so all the all the publications in the US are now having a lot of problems because um they're having more readers than ever because everybody wants to read about coronavirus but they make have problems making money um uh, because all the advertisers don't want because of all these brand safety rules where you're like okay I don't want my brand uh, associated with something that's negative so they now have whoa there's a huge bird outside the window wow that is hmm it's huge what's that what's that called what's fish in english um oh come on oh, come on wikipedia let's me look this up yeah so this that's a heron I guess was that a heron no, it looked bigger. Hmm. Anyway, some kind of aqua huge aquatic bird. Uh, maybe, a, yeah, I guess it's a heron. Hmm. Anyway, huge bird just flew past. It's probably because of uh, uh, there's a um wastewater recycling plant uh, close to here and uh, there's like some you know these i don't know they've like this river they put the, the the wastewater in but there's all like these this nature stuff around um anyway what was i oh yeah so uh, because of all the brand safety right we kind of have this with negative associated with negative stuff and all of them uses coronavirus to, like the, the revenues are just dropping and i i i do not I do not have sympathy for these guys at all because they brought that on themselves. Massively beholden to advertisers. They didn't fight brand safety when that came up, even though that's obviously a stupid idea. Like, you shouldn't. Like, if you want to advertise on my newspaper or my online publication, yes, do that. But, like, then you picking what article is going to be next to it, that is, you know, that's editorial. No, no, you you get a... You know, you get an ad spot and you can put the ad there and you have no input whatsoever what article is going to be next to that. It's going, that needs to be completely separate. And then obviously, I mean, they dug their own grave. They were like, 
you know, panic, panic, coronavirus, coronavirus, like for months now, um, absolutely hyping this whole thing um, instead of like doing, you know, scaring people with clickbait and shit instead of doing uh, research and some actual balanced reporting. This, you know, they serves them well. It's um, they, they had it coming, and our, and that's that's all the ranting. Don't want to do. Let's let's stop the ranting. Let's go to the uh, to my second topic. Um, let's go to something which which I like to call off the grid. And I know this term's been used for other things, but I, I feel like this is kind of the. You know, I've been thinking about this. I don't, with that, with all this stuff going on that we have right now, you know, civil, sorry for bumping the mic, by the way, it's a bit of a different setup here, I'm not used to it. Um, you know, with, with, with our, our civil liberties, personal liberties being curtailed, uh, cries for ubiquitous smartphone tracking. Um, I think us, I'm, I'm presuming you're listening to this podcast because like me, you're privacy conscious, you're, you're thinking about these things. I think we need a plan. And I think we need a plan to evade all of this crap. Um, so that that's what my off the grid idea is for. And this doesn't mean off the um, off the uh, power grid or you know don't have an address or something. But just kind of like the cyber equivalent, right? Um, and I don't mean let's do it all the time, but I mean like in certain situations. Let's say you have a government who's like they they are tracking everybody now mandatory by their cell phones um i want us to have a way to evade that and the obvious thing would of course be to completely be off the like switch your phone off completely but that's that would be preferable but i think that's unrealistic because you know as i said when i started this podcast i'm not one of these tinfoil head guys i want to be realistic i want this podcast to be for everyday people and you know everyday consumers and realistic users of technology and realistically all our lives are on our smartphones we need them for everything we need them for entertainment uh for routing you know for uh, uh navigation for all of this stuff when we're on the road and stuff like that and so i feel like can't really completely switch them off um but i would like to compile like a list i would like to have a way of um when you need it you know, don't switch off your phone, but like switch off, completely switch off, um, like basically do airplane mode and use it in a way where like if you're at home, where let's say, let's say you're in a curfew and they're enforcing that with mobile phones. I mean, they can know that you're home, right? Um, so you, if you're on Wi-Fi, you're, um, use your phone there, you download stuff and whatever. And then if you go out, um, you're on airplane mode and you switch everything off. And you basically you're off the grid. They don't know you where you're going. And I would like to compile a list of tips and of apps that help us do this. And I've, I've started a little bit, so there's just some apps um, and some ideas that I have. But I they're kind of a work in progress, and I want you to chime in and um, you know contact me and and tell me if you, what what ideas you have. If you think some of this stupid, tell me. If I make like errors in judgment or something, um, if I overlook something you know please tell me um as usual a private citizen press all the links everything in the show notes um so speaking of apps that you can use so so obviously we need like mapping and navigation 
And we can do that via OpenStreetMap. There's a cool app on iOS and Android called OSM Ant, which, you know, if you use certain amount of apps um, and maps, you need to pay for it, but uh, you can use some of it free. Um, it is... Uh, it's you downloads you can off you can download um open street map maps and use them offline and also have navigation so that's handy uh there's a german app called Uffi. it's a funny o with the dots and an ffi um that uh you can use that's also available in english it depends on where you are but you can use it to um look up public transport chat schedules and that has an option to look them up while you're in Wi-Fi and then save them for offline use. Um, for reading websites, uh, you could use Pocket. So while you're in Wi-Fi, for example, you can download a bookmark and download websites that you want to read later, which is helpful. So that that's kind of like the apps I have. Then I have some, some stuff. I have some links how you can turn off location tracking in iOS. Um, if you have an iPhone 11, it has this U1 location chip in there that actually communicates with other phones. Um, you might want to turn that off. Uh, there's a link there. There's some stuff to turn off location tracking on Android. And then, you know, just some miscellaneous other ideas I had. Um, so if you want to listen to music on the go, if you have Spotify, you can, if you have a premium account, you can download music. I do that anyway um, because I don't want to run into my data cap. I listen to lots of music. I think you can download 10,000 songs. And, um, yeah, that's a helpful thing. So you can also like tell the app in iOS itself. I think in Android now as well, don't, don't use, um, data while you're on the road or you do that in Wi-Fi or you can just turn the, you know, turn the, turn the cellular um data and and stuff off when you're on the go and then also obviously i recommend just listen to podcasts and you know do it the proper way sync them and then listen to them offline i recommend pocket casts um it's my favorite podcatcher but you know there are many others out there and that's a thing to do obviously um if you do this um you know be aware that you can't get phone calls which is the major downside to this although i never really God, I don't, yeah, and you can't, like, you know, obviously you can't use messengers and stuff like that. But, um, I mean, as soon as you turn the, turn the cellular connection on, they can triangulate you. Um, so I don't know. This is just a work in progress. I don't think, um, I'm, I'm trying this, I'm prototyping this, and I can't really, I don't have a workable solution that I can use when I'm out about yet. But I would like to arrive at one and I would like to get you involved, the producers who listen to the show, um, get you involved and help me out. If you have ideas, if you have apps, great apps that, you know, you can use for this, um, if you have ways to, you know, if it's an Android phone to root it and put some, some privacy conscious, uh, ROM on there, that, that'll help, you know, just tell me about these things. I, I think, um, Obviously in work in progress, but I think we need to work something out because we can't really go this all or nothing. It's one of these other all or nothing things where it doesn't work, right? It doesn't, as they said about this uh, coronavirus testing thing from Google, it's not really, it's not really a choice. If the choice is, you know, either be tracked or turn your phone off, that's not really a choice. We need a way of using some of the stuff we have on our phones while we're on the go. 
and still not being tracked. Of course, you know, if they if they implement something like Singapore, or whatever that was, where they send you a link, so your phone has to be online to get a link. And if you don't click the link, then they basically know that because your phone is off, then they're like, ah, oh, he's not in quarantine. Um, then we screwed. But, you know, it's another one of these things we should try, I feel. If we give up immediately, um, then then everything's lost. Yeah, and with that, um, that's pretty much the stuff for today. As I said, work in progress. Please, um, please help me with this. Um, I had some feedback. Jonathan MH um, listened to that episode, last episode, where he had he had the idea to do that. You know, to get somebody on, like Alex, and he says, uh, "Listen to episode ten yesterday." I'm happy how it worked out. Mad props to your guest for just jumping ha uh, headfirst into doing his first show in English as well. And I've uh, passed that on to Alex, um, as I promised. Uh, then Thomas says via the Fediverse, uh, I wanted to donate with PayPal today, but didn't find it on your page. Can you please adjust this little issue so the non-patrons can give you money as well? It's every show note document has a heading called toss a coin to your podcaster um, and the address is right in there i didn't put it on the main page for a reason um, i realize all of this has privacy issues and i'm still looking for for a, a thing that is privacy uh, more friendly to people privacy without being such a pain in the ass that it's basically not worth doing, like Bitcoin. Um, so I know, um, and I, I know obviously Patreon is not a solution for some people, um, but I, I prefer it, obviously, because it's a, it's a, it's kind of a subscription thing and it gives me a baseline. And PayPal stuff, while I appreciate everybody and every, Uh, euro that comes in it is more helpful for me in the long run if i have patreon subscribers because i this is more of a commitment and i feel like it's it's just better for the show um and then has sent me some information on that chinese doctor who first blew the whistle on COVID 19 we uh, i think in episode 10 i quickly mentioned that i don't think he died of the disease that sounded very convenient to me um, but he also says uh, anyhow i enjoy your new show and would like to hear your opinions of operation rubicon if you ever get tired of talking about having a curfew like a 12 year old i think with that he means i'm tired of having a curfew like you know like i was a 12 year old i don't think he says in talking about the curfew all the time, I act like a 12-year-old. Although I'm not positive, but I'm gonna assume he means we're all in curfew like we're 12 years old. Although even as a kid, I never had a curfew. My parents uh, always had better ways of um, disciplining me. No, not hitting me. <laughs> no, but um, anyway. Um, so, uh, yes, Operation Rubicon is very interesting. It is this story that came out recently it's a bit of an infosec story but obviously also impacts privacy a lot um it's about the cia and the bnd and the swiss crypto ag like a company and how they basically 
bought the company and put a backdoor in the crypto that was in there for I think decades or a decade or something like this. this is an old story, but it's very it's fascinating. And yes, I want to do an episode on that. I hope I don't forget. Um, but that is an amazing topic I want to definitely talk about. If you have any comments on the show, on this on this specific episode or on the show itself, please contact me. There's a link in the show notes. Um, it goes to my blog where you know, can email me. Uh, you can contact me on Twitter. Uh, Fox Road Alpha Bravo Sierra Hotel or you dare say um, Fabs Fox Road Alpha Bravo Sierra Hotel um, there's a, there's also a whistleblower like an encrypted contact form if you want to send me um, insider information yeah and with that I've, I've quickly mentioned Patreon uh, before so let's just quickly do it again um, this show is supported by listeners and I'm very happy for that. I don't want to be beholden to advertisers and their crap, crappy brand safety rules because I'm definitely not brand safe at all here. Um, so I think um, this model that I've chosen that was developed by Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak of the No Agenda podcast, which is called Value for Value, and which basically means, you know, if you derive any value from this, consider thinking about how much that is and giving that back to me. I prefer Patreon, as I said, but you can also send money via PayPal. The link is in the show notes document uh, on privatecitizen.press. If you go to episode 10, uh, it's in every uh, show notes, at the end of every show notes, but it is the email address you can send money to is producers, producers at fab.industries, producers at fab dot industries and i appreciate all of that and with that i would like to thank uh raul kebazali who composed and recorded the theme su- uh, theme tune for this show which is called acoustic roots and i'm also thankful to bitemark um at bitemark.co.uk a great hosting company who uh, provides me with this server i use to host the audio files um, and I've done so for years and for free and they're great um, it goes back to back in the day Linux Outlaws a podcast I used to do with a friend and they've uh, they've supported us ever since and I, I, I love them for it and speaking of support um, I who I also love is all of you um, I love you for listening and it's totally okay if you just listen um, it's great if you send me information and then it's also great if you support the podcast monetarily, and I like to get credits for that. So uh, the people who've done that for this episode are Niall Donegan, Michael Mullen Jensen, Jonathan M. Heavy, Georges Walther, Dave, Kai Sears, Matt Jalleman, Fadi Mansour, Joe Poser, Rashid Alhimani, Mark Holland, Steve Hose, Butterbeans, Shelby Kruver, Vlad. Dave Amrish, IKN, Vitautis Sadowskis, amazing name, <laughs> I always think, Ricky M, and Drive Zero. So uh, thanks to all of you. That's it for me. That's it for this episode of The Private Citizen. And um, if you like rants, this should have been, <laughs> this, is, this is an episode for you. That one goes out to all of you. Um, and I think I'll see you next Wednesday uh, unless something unforeseeable happens which might just 
who knows these days. Until then, uh, stay free, stay safe, don't let the lawman catch you, and don't believe everything you read out there, please. <laughs>